0: Welcome to Nerdy and Flirty, a podcast designed to help you create a life that you love. It's nerdy with science-backed information, and it's flirty, it's fun, it's quick, it's straight to the point. My name is Cass, and welcome to your new favorite podcast. We are on episode 15, and today we are talking about intellectual health. What it is, why it's important, and examples of tangible, actionable things that you can do to really make the most out of your intellectual health. In episode three, we talked about the dimensions of wellness. There's eight different dimensions of wellness and your physical health is just one part of that. But that's the one that most people think of when they think of health. They think about nutrition, they think about exercise. And while those things are so important, so are the other dimensions of wellness. So today I wanted to dive deep into the intellectual wellness because in my opinion, your intellectual health actually is a big driver of a lot of the other factors, especially your emotional and your mental health. The dimensions of wellness are all integrated. When one of them's up, it impacts the other ones. When one of them's down, it impacts the other ones. And in order to have a holistic approach to your health, you have to address all eight dimensions of wellness right now our mental health is a big discussion on social media and just platforms in general which is amazing because our mental health is something that used to be stigmatized and not socially acceptable to talk about lots of professionals and experts are now sharing a lot of strategies and techniques to manage your mental health which is really important information to share But a conversation I don't see as often is regarding our intellectual health. And today, I want to shed some light on that. Because as we've learned, all of the dimensions impact each other. And sometimes starting with one can impact them all. So what even is your intellectual health? Your intellectual health is not just your IQ. It's not just your academic knowledge. It's not your education level. Those things play a part. But your intellectual health is Everything that involves the act of learning, problem solving skills, curiosity, creativity, critical thinking. Intellectual health is not what you know, but how you got to know it. Having strong intellectual health can include academic success, but it can also just be your willingness to learn, your willingness to develop your own ideas, your willingness to do creative hobbies and learn a new skill and problem solve and figure things out. You don't have to be the smartest one in the room to have good intellectual health. If anything, just because you're the smartest one in the room does not guarantee that you have good intellectual health. It doesn't matter how much you know. If you're not actually challenging your brain to learn something new. But there are milestones that we've all experienced and faced in our lives where we've had good intellectual health and poor intellectual health. Let me set the scene for you. Growing up we were in school and every year school got progressively more difficult. Maybe you started school already knowing some of the concepts but there were always opportunities to problem solve, to critical think, to challenge yourself and maybe not even specifically in the classroom. You could also have challenges outside of academics, like social challenges, learning how to make new friends, learning how to navigate a new school, how to get involved in hobbies, how to manage your stress, All of these things happened in the school system and every year it got progressively harder. You went to middle school and then you went to high school. You figured out how to apply for colleges if you went. Like there were so many things to figure out and to learn and that constant challenge, regardless of where it was, in what classes, it doesn't matter where the challenges were, The point is that we had challenges that we had to overcome, and it forced us to deal with our intellectual health and use it. But then you finish high school, and maybe some of us go to college, maybe some of us go to grad school, but at some point we enter the workforce, and this is where it gets a little tricky. Starting out a new job, you do have some challenges in the beginning. You have to learn the ropes, you have to learn the systems, you have to learn how to do the job. But at some point you learn it. And I think this is why post-grad is so difficult for so many people because you stop having systems that automatically challenge you. If you started a job post-grad and you started to see a plateau in yourself, Ask yourself, when is the last time you were genuinely challenged and excited to learn something new? I know for me, post-grad initially hit me really hard. I was so used to being in school and always having something to look forward to and something to learn and certain achievements that I wanted to hit. And then you go to post-grad and you don't really have that. In your workforce, you might have a promotion to work up towards. You might have little achievements here and there. But for the most part, we have to create them in our lives. And that's why prioritizing your intellectual health, especially as an adult, is so important. Intellectual health is important for so many reasons like our mood, our physical health, but even our longevity and our overall well-being. There's a study done by Dan Buettner. He's the author of The Blue Zones, the founder of The Blue Zones. And if you've never heard of The Blue Zones, there are five areas around the world with all different climates, all different cultures that have the most centenarians. Centenarians are people that live to 100 or above and Dan Buettner found these five areas that magically had significantly higher centenarians than other places. What's unique about these places is the five blue zones are completely different places. There's one in Greece, one in Italy, one in America, one in Japan, and one in Costa Rica. All of them have such unique climates, unique foods, unique cultures, unique people. And yet these five locations shared certain traits and certain lifestyle habits that Dan Buettner found to be the keys to longevity, the keys to living long, happy, healthy lives. And one of the biggest things that all five places shared is not a magic supplement, not a magic exercise, not a magic food. It's purpose. It's having purpose every day. His book is called The Blue Zones. He actually has two books out. I've read both of them. I'm obsessed. And on Netflix, there's actually a documentary with The Blue Zones. It has Dan in it. It has all the people he's interviewed. It's an amazing documentary. I suggest reading it and watching it. But in it, you can see these people. And these people that are 100, 106, 110 years old are so happy, so healthy looking. They're not just Old people that live to 100. They're people that get up and down off the floor with ease. They're people that have hobbies. They're people that have friends that go and walk and do things. And you can see when you listen to them talk and when you watch the documentary, they are so passionate about their hobbies and they swear that's what keeps them lively and active. One of the centenarians had a big garden that they went out every single day and picked and tended to the garden. Another one made instruments. Another one hung out with their friends and went for walks every single week together. In Okinawa, Japan, they call it your ikigai, which is your purpose in life. But all five blue zones shared that common denominator of having a purpose to live a long, healthy life. Whether you end up watching it, reading it, or both, It's such an amazing collection of qualitative data to show true longevity, and it's something that not too many people are talking about. You know, people say, don't drink alcohol and eat enough protein and drink your protein shake every morning if you want to be healthy and you want to be strong and all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, the people that live the longest, their first defense is their purpose. And if that's not amazing to you, I don't know what is because that is so amazing to me. And all of this stems from your intellectual health. Going along with this conversation, I have a few more statistics that I want to share. Besides just living a long time, having a strong sense of purpose is also linked to lowering your risk for chronic diseases. In another study that I read, people with the highest sense of purpose had a 43% reduced risk for depression. 13% reduced risk for sleep problems, 46% reduced risk for mortality, and just overall improved health behaviors and social behaviors. Not to mention the benefits of your brain health when you actually start to prioritize your intellectual health. Challenging your mind and learning new things not only gives you a sense of accomplishment, but improves your actual brain. Every single time you learn a new skill, Your brain is working differently. You start to form new connections in your brain and new neurons, and you also strengthen existing neural pathways. This is why people say your brain is like plastic or there's neuroplasticity. Because your brain can change, even at a more advanced age. Learning new skills has a positive effect on your brain health. When you don't learn new things, your brain slows down. Your brain's less responsive, your memory's worse, your brain fog is worse. Your brain doesn't function the same way it would if you were giving it things to improve off of. Also, learning something new increases your dopamine. Dopamine gets increased by all kinds of things, and some of them aren't always the best. For example, addictive behaviors, social media, sugar, those things spike your dopamine. But learning something new... That's a positive way to spike your dopamine and get that exciting, happy chemical going through your brain. And what's cool about dopamine is every single time you get that hit of dopamine, you want whatever you just did more. So if you're learning something new, your brain's going to associate learning something new with a positive experience because of that rush of dopamine. So I know you're dying to know, how do we work on our intellectual health? At the end of the day, it comes down... growth. It comes down to challenging your mind, challenging your body to go outside of your comfort zone and learn something new. As we get older, it gets harder to find times throughout the day to pursue your hobbies, to pursue your passions, to do things that put you out of your comfort zone. It is so easy to just live day to day and never really challenge your mind. You have to go out of your way to challenge your mind. Now, some obvious ways to do this to improve your intellectual health are some of the academic things, things like reading, listening to a podcast, taking a course. If you like academics, take a course that interests you. Get a certification in something you're interested in. It doesn't have to be something you start a side hustle in unless you want to. But if you're interested in nutrition, take a nutrition course. If you're interested in fitness, take a personal training course. Expose yourself to new information. I really like TED Talks for this. LinkedIn Learning has a ton of courses. A lot of them are free. Patreon has courses. Go on Facebook and look up events near you and see if there's any lectures nearby that you can attend. You don't have to be a student or pursuing a degree to take a course, to take a class and learn something new. Now, let's say you're like, Cass, I do not like school. I never liked school. I'm not into the academics. I got you. Another section for intellectual health would be anything creativity related. So, this is anything in the arts. The arts has such a positive impact. On your brain health. That's why art therapy has become such a popular thing in rehabilitation medicine and neuroscience in general. It improves your brainwave patterns, improves your emotions, improves your nervous system, and just overall improves your brain function. Like I said before, none of these hobbies have to result in a side hustle or a side business. They just have to be something fun. No one ever has to even see you practice them. But if you're interested in creativity and artistic pursuits, you can take an art class, a pottery class, a crochet class. You can follow YouTube videos online on how to play the piano, how to paint. Follow a Bob Ross tutorial. You can try learning a new instrument. You can try a dance class. You can try a music class. You can join a choir. Not only are you going to learn something new and put yourself out there, But you're going to raise your serotonin. You're going to raise your dopamine. You're just going to feel so much better about yourself and feel more fulfilled in your life. What is life if all you can say is that you looked back and worked a lot? I grew up a dancer my entire life, and I'm actually a dance teacher. I teach a lot of dance fitness, but I personally haven't taken a dance class in quite some time. And last weekend, I went to a studio over an hour away. It was the closest one I could find online. And I went and took a hip hop class. I joined intermediate because I'm like, well, I'm not a beginner, but I don't know if I'm advanced yet. And let me tell you, I had so much fun. I was adequately challenged. I had a blast. I made new friends. Like, it was an amazing experience. I went completely by myself. I didn't know anyone. I didn't tell anyone I was going. I just went, and it was just this newfound, like, hobby and excitement that I hadn't felt in a while. Think about a skill you used to learn or you've always wanted to learn and learn it. We're adults. We can do things differently than what we did as kids. If there's something you always wanted to do as a kid, but you never tried it or you never got the opportunity to do it, you can create those opportunities now. And it has so many improvements in your overall health. Something else I recently picked up is pickleball. And oh my gosh, it sounds so boring and sounds like such a dumb sport. At least that's what I thought about it until I went and played. And oh my gosh, not only is it an amazing workout, which I also didn't believe. I thought that people were just lying. It's an amazing workout, but it gets your hand-eye coordination involved. You make new friends. You're learning the rules. You're learning the score. You're trying to keep score. And every time I hit the ball or I missed the ball, I thought about how I would do better the next time. And that is so valuable to your health and to your brain health. Just the hand-eye coordination alone stimulates your brain differently than not doing that. So my next little section for intellectual health habits is anything recreational, any kind of sport. Pickleball is just one example, but you could pick up tennis, you can pick up golf, you can pick up dance, you can pick up soccer, kickboxing, martial arts. If you like moving your body and you're not into academics, you're not really the creative type get involved in some kind of sport. There are so many adult rec leagues or even just lessons that you can go take. Even if you've never been athletic in your life, you can incorporate it into your life as an adult. And seriously, I've never been athletic. Pickleball is something that I look forward to in my week every single week. I joined a league on the meetup app, I go with the beginners. Everyone's there just to learn and have a good time and get moving. And it's such a staple part of my week because it's so much fun. I have so much fun. I challenge myself. I learn something new. And then I feel so good after. When's the last time you did a hobby without any productivity associated with it? If you're feeling down or unclear in your life and you're not really sure why you don't feel fulfilled every day... I recommend scheduling out at least one to two hours per week of dedicated hobby time. Time that no one else can schedule over. It doesn't go on the back burner. You don't give it up as soon as something else comes up. Time that you know you will spend on a hobby of your choice. It can be anything in the world, any skill, any course, but it can't be something associated with some sort of outcome. It has to be something you just do, For the sole purpose of having fun and learning something new. It cannot be something for school. It cannot be something for work. It cannot be something for your future side hustle, your future business. It has to be something fun. I started doing this during the winter and it has truly saved me from the winter blues because I enjoy my weeks. I look forward to getting ready for pickleball and getting ready for yoga and getting ready for dance class. I look forward to it. I get excited about going and challenging myself and seeing how much improvement I've had on each of my hobbies. And by the way, you're not limited to just one hobby. If you have a ton of interest, if you're a little bit athletic, a little bit creative, a little bit academic, you can have hobbies in all of those categories. I have hobbies in all of those categories because I never know what mood I'm gonna be in. Sometimes I wanna paint. Sometimes I wanna go move my body and do pickleball. Diversify your hobbies, but make sure you have some. Your hobbies play a huge role in your intellectual wellness. They completely enrich your life and make it better, make it more fulfilling, make it more interesting. In the blue zones, when all of those centenarians looked back on their life, when they were asked what got them to live that long, it wasn't their career. They didn't talk about their productivity and their achievements in their jobs, they talked about their purpose. They talked about their hobbies, their passions, their families, things beyond just your productivity. There is so much more to you than what you're producing for this world. And there's also so much more to life than our resumes. I know that this is kind of unrelated to intellectual health, but I also think it all ties in together. Because if you're too focused on your productivity and your achievements, you're not focused on your intellectual health. You could work in a company and be a superstar and never actually feel fulfilled in your life. Today's episode is not about becoming the smartest person in the room and being a superstar at your company. Of course those things are cool, but they're only cool if they coincide with living a life that you really love and feel fulfilled in. And in my opinion, the way to feel fulfilled in your life is taking care of your intellectual health. It's learning new things and solving problems and feeling good about yourself and building that personal satisfaction with your life. So make some time for your hobbies this week and every week. I hope you learned a little something new about our brains, about intellectual health, maybe some new hobbies. Definitely let me know what your hobbies are, what ways you build your intellectual wellness, I'm dying to know because I've been saying that 2024 is the year for the hobbies, and I am sticking by that. I want to try all kinds of new hobbies. So definitely let me know yours at the podcast Instagram, at nerdyandflirtypod. Let me know what you think. Give me five stars and nothing less. And share this with a friend. Share this with someone that you think would be interested in learning about their intellectual health, fostering it, hobbies, all that kind of stuff. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Bye.